invite you uh, to go over to the book of First Timothy, chapter four, and we're going to pick up uh, in verse seven. First Timothy, chapter four, verse seven. I'm going to start a new series of teaching here today, which I'll let you know in a minute what that is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Apostle Paul, writing to uh, Timothy, who was a young minister at this time, a young pastor, said in verse 7, it says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Notice the phrase, if you want to underline that if you're taking notes, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So even back in the time of the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter, there was fables and there was myths and so forth that were being said and spread. Amen. And, uh, and, and Paul says, rather exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Now the next verse is what I want to focus on right here. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Okay? Now, I want to read just the verse, the eighth verse in that classic Amplified, Josh, if you'd bring that up. In the Amplified translation. And it says right here For the physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise of the present life and also the life that is to come. Now, I'm just going to quote this because we don't have this up on our screen here. But this is the Common English Bible. And it says, while physical train, training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this life presently and that which life is to come. Amen. Now I want to talk about. I've entitled this new series here, How to Stay Spiritually Fit. How to Stay Spiritually Fit. And the Lord had been dealing with my heart about this. Uh, and of course, it's always been His will all along that we stay spiritually fit, ready, prepared. But I think more than ever before, the day and time that we're living in right now, we have to be strong. We have to be strong. This is not time for wimps spiritually. <laughs> Christian wimps aren't going to make it. I'm just, I mean, God loves them, but they're just not going to make it. And God wants us to be strong. The Bible even says, quit, quit ye like men and be strong. Don't be like common men. He says, I want you to be strong. All right? Now, the Bible teaches us that there's a striking similarity between physical exercise and uh, spiritual exercise. And I wrote down some things here, and I was thinking about this, did a little bit of research here, because we want to stay spiritually fit. Amen? But there's similarities right here. And uh, some of the benefits of physical health is it. <laughs> this is part of the message here, okay? It builds muscle for strength, right? Working out, right? It also builds endurance, so you can last, all right? It also causes, this is just some of the benefits of physical, and I'll tie this into our spiritual life here, but it also causes us to avoid injury when our body is in shape. When your body's in shape, you can avoid a lot of injuries, okay? 
It also builds your immune system. You can get to the place, and I know what, I know what this is like, you can get to the place where you love exercise. Usually you hear a lot of groans. <laughs> you can get to the place where you love exercise because you feel immediate benefits that come from it. People talk about a runner's high and stuff like that. I know what that's like. I used to run long distance, okay? And uh, I've, been, I've been working out since I was 11 years old. You know what I'm saying? And I've always enjoyed it, always like it. It's just always been a passion of mine, you know? It just, God just put it on the inside of me, you know? But there's real, there's similarities between your, your staying in shape physically. He does say that bodily exercise profits little. Now that has to do with this lifetime only. He's not saying that it's not it's of no value, okay? I've heard preachers talk about how it says bodily exercise is little, so I don't do anything. Well, that's taking that out of context, yeah. amen? Because, you know, your, your body, you know, you've heard the saying, what you don't use, you lose. Isn't that true? What you don't use, you lose, all right? And I remember there was a few times in my life where I was more dormant. I wasn't doing physical things, and, um, and um, boy, I could tell, you know what I'm saying? But, you see, God gave us... God gave us one body, and we are the one, the custodians of that physical body. And God wants us to take care of the body that He gave us. Amen? He doesn't want us putting toxic things in our body. He doesn't want us hurting our body because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me now? Now, this isn't condemnation. It's just God just wants you. You got one body, and you got to take care of it. You're the custodian of that physical body. All right? But I've noticed that when you take care of yourself physically, it carries over into the realm of the spirit. Discipline, action in the natural will carry over into the spiritual part. Amen. So I want to talk about how this, how to stay in shape spiritually. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. Let's just build a foundation here this morning. In Proverbs chapter 24, looking at verse 10. Very interesting here. The uh, Solomon, who was the wisest person up to this point, said this, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. That may be a little blind to us. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is but small. But look at the message translation. You want to bring that up, Josh? The message translation. And it says a little bit more clear here. Some of these modern translations that make it real clear. And uh, if you fall into pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. <laughs> That's just plain, isn't it? So, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't want us falling apart when adversity comes against us. There's a lot of people that just crumble at the first sign of adversity and they just give up. You know what I'm saying? But that just, it's just an indicator it's not condemnation. It's just an indicator that we need to grow in strength. Amen? Now, you know, your muscles can gain strength. How many of you know that? No pain, no gain. You've heard the saying, right? And, uh, and, and when, you, when you lift, you know, I like to lift weights. I like to walk and stuff like that, you know. But when you, when you lift, your muscles become stronger so you can handle more. Amen? But, man, when you first start out, man, you talk about pain involved. Right? What do they call that acid? The, the lactic. lactic acid. Man, you know, so you never heard of it until you start working out. You're like, dear God, what is that pain? <laughs> Amen. 
But you know, you work through that. Amen. And uh, so again, there's a real similarity between your physical exercise and your spiritual exercise. Now look, we're here to talk about how to stay spiritually fit, not necessarily natural. Amen. And I just encourage you to, you do what's best for you. You do what you like. Some people like different types of workouts and the natural, but you have to exercise. Okay. That's a thus saith the Lord. You have to move. You have to exercise because if you just, if you're not doing anything, you don't take care of your body, you will pay the price later. Okay. That's not a prophetic word. That's just the way it is. God gave you a body. You've got to take care of it. Amen. How many of you want to live long on the earth? I want to live long and strong. I want to live past 100 years old. I'm not even nearly done with the race that God has called me to, to run. Not even close. Amen. And all these years have been years of preparation. You stop and think about it. The Lord Jesus Christ spent 30 years of preparation for a three and a half year ministry. The Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. Amen. 30 years of preparation. Moses spent many years on the backside of the desert before God said, now come back in and take, you know, take charge and so forth as the leader, right? And so uh, it's important that we understand these, these are days of preparation that we can get stronger. Now you stop and think about uh, the training that's involved in our professional athletes. You know, we got a football game down here today. And I'll tell you what, they're not, they're not being slothful during the rest of the week. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They might get one day off, but I'm telling you, they're on the field, they're practicing, they're lifting, they're training the football players, right? And because uh, if they don't, it will show up on the field, okay? And a lot of them will get injured as a result. So the more, the more in shape you are physically, the more you can resist uh, breakdown in your physical body. The same thing is true spiritually. When you're built up, when you have the spirit, your spirit is built up and strong, you can resist when the devil tries to come against you. But if you're weak, when the devil tries to come against you, you'll fall prey to temptation. Are you with me? And we all know what that's like, right? Say, I resist, I resist the, devil, the devil and he flees from me. Flees Praise the Lord. I don't know if you don't like that kind of teaching. Well, get over it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying we got to be strong. We've got to be strong. There's no place for weakness in the body of Christ. Of course, we, start, we all start out the same, right? We start out at the same level, but we can develop, we can grow. Hallelujah. And uh, the first way that we are to stay spiritually fit, now this is really basic but powerful, and we have to remember this. The first way that we stay spiritually fit is to give the Word of God preeminence. Step number one. Give the word of God. There's other steps we're going to get into as the Lord directs us here. But the first way that we stay spiritually fit is we have to give the word of God first place or preeminence. Okay? With that in mind, go over to 1 John chapter 2. The book of 1 John chapter 2. And I want to show you something here. I had an interesting experience happen to me when I was going to Bible school. I went to... Kenneth Hagin's Bible School in 1982, and I graduated in 1983. So it was a two-year school, and I went there. And, uh, and I was just, you know, I was pretty much a, a homeboy. I stayed home. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't travel. When I went to Bible school, I was, you know, 21 years old. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, 
And it was a whole brand new world for me, you know, and it was just, it was awesome. It was just awesome to be in the presence of such great men and women of God. I just wanted to kiss the ground when I got there. You know what I'm saying? It was just, I was so sacred to me. And I'm telling you, we had people all the time come in. Pastor Lynn, you were part of that too. And people like T.L. Osborne would come in and share with us. Lester Summerall, Dr. Cho, okay? He would, they would come in and John Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, you know, and all these great men and women of God, you know, would come in. And, and I, was just, I was sitting there one day in, in the chair in one of the seminars, and I forget who the speaker was, but it was just like, do you ever get just like blown away? You're like, these are, these are like the generals in the body of Christ, right? And, uh, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my spirit. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but I heard it in here. He said, son, you have the same Bible they do. He said, son, you have the same spirit that they do. He said, just put it to use. Put it to work. You'll get there. Amen. Because sometimes we have mystified ideas like these guys, and don't get me wrong, we respect their office and where they're at. And they had many, many more years in ministry than I did at that time because I was only 21 years old. Okay. But they did not have access to something different than what I have access to, but it's what they did with the Word of God. It's what they did with the Holy Spirit in their lives that determined which direction they were going to go. And it just it changed my thinking. I didn't lose any respect for them. In fact, I gained more respect because I realized, you know, uh, Oral Roberts doesn't have any more faith than anybody else. It's what he did with the Word of God or any other of these people, right? Hallelujah. And so I realized for the first time that the Lord showed me I've got the same Bible that they have. And I have the same Holy Spirit. You know there's not two Holy Spirits. How many of you know that? The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken and make alive your mortal body. The same Spirit that was in Jesus that raised Him from the dead is the same Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you and me. The Holy Spirit's not twins. <laughs> and I'm just like, hallelujah. The same Spirit. Say same Spirit. Same okay. So I think it's important for us to re recognize that and realize that, my, you got something special on the inside of you. You know, Philemon even says, 1 verse 6 says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You have to acknowledge every good thing in you which is in Christ Jesus for your faith to become effective, effective or effectual. Same spirit. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but that helps me. But in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12, Scripture tells us, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. Okay? I write unto you fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the Father I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Now notice this. I have written unto you young men. That's verse 14. Because you are strong. Notice that. And, notice that that's a conjunction. That the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. 
Now that's the, that's the part that I want to focus on right there. I've written unto you young men, you are strong. Why? Why are they strong? Is it just God's will that they be strong and that's it? No. It says you are strong. Why? Because the word of God abideth in you and as a result you're able to overcome the wicked one. Do you see that? They weren't weak. They were strong. Weakness is never God's will. Paul even said, when I'm weak, then am I strong, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hallelujah. So even in your weakness, we don't have to stay weak because He is our strength. I can do all things through what? Christ, who strengthens, which strengthens me. Praise the Lord. Now here's what I want to talk about here. The first way to stay spiritually fit is to have the Word of God, to let it have preeminence or first place in your life. We'll talk about how to do that here in the rest of the time here. But in that phrase again in the, tw- in the 14th verse, it says, you're, you young men, you're strong. Why? The Word of God abides in you. And the, and the end result is, you overcome the wicked one. So in other words, you can't overcome the wicked one. Who's that? The devil, and demons, and evil spirits. You can't, you can't really overcome them unless the Word of God is on the inside of you. Because it's the Word of God that's inside of you that causes you and me, man, woman, boy, girl, to be strong and resist the devil when he comes against us. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Do you know, if you even stop about it, you know, people that argue about the subject of divine health and healing and stuff like that. You know, God put even in your natural body, this would go across the board for the most, for everybody. God put natural healing things inside your physical body. For example, when you cut your hand or your arm or your leg or something like that, what happens? It goes to working to create a scab to heal that wound. And God, who do you think put that in there? God put that in there. Amen? That's just natural healing, but yet God put that in the physical body. So if we can believe in that type of healing, how much more is God's power to heal available to every single believer? I am firmly convinced, I am fully persuaded that it's God's will to save every human being. I'm fully convinced, I'm fully persuaded, you couldn't beat out of me with a ball bat. How about you? Do you believe, do you believe it's God's will to save every human being? If someone came up to you and they said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Would you get on your knees and hands and knees and say, Father, is it your will to save this person? I know they came to me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even stop and think. You'd be like, let's pray right now. Why? Your mind has been reprogrammed and renewed. You know it's God's will that not any should perish, but all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now how can we be so confident in that area? It's because our mind has been renewed in that particular realm. Thank God. We are fully persuaded like Abraham was fully persuaded with salvation. Why can't it not be with other areas of the benefits of our salvation like divine health or healing? Okay? It's when we're not fully persuaded that we have lack of confidence when we, when we go before God because we're not fully persuaded. Okay? Could it be that there's just a lack of revelation? 
a lack of word in that particular realm? I think so. Amen? You see, you, you can become, it's just like your physical body, use this illustration. If I just worked out with my arms, I could get real strong. But if I never did anything with my legs, now I've seen people at the gym, I've seen people like that, they're huge upper body, but they're like pencil legs. I'm like, it's like two different bodies. I've seen that before. I'm like, dude, do something with your legs. My gosh, it's, un it's an unneeded. The Bible says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. <laughs> That's a loose interpretation of that scripture. But, but uh, you, could use, you could use your arms and get huge, your, your upper body. You know what I'm saying? Your arms. But if you don't use your legs and so forth, you know, they're not going to benefit you. Okay? You can be strong in one area of your life, but then be weak in another area. See what I'm saying? But I believe God's will is that we get strong in every area. He wants us to be strong in our salvation. He wants us to be strong when it comes to health and divine healing, praise the Lord. Because, you know, the average church out there nowadays, they'll teach that, you know, you never know. God can heal, but you never know. And it kind of puts that mystery, that question mark out there. He heals some people, but he doesn't heal all. Well, that's like saying God only saves some people, but he doesn't save the rest. God has already provided in his death, burial, and resurrection at the beating of the cross. He provided everything that pertains to us that has to do with life and godliness. Peter talks about that. He's given us everything. But we have to have the knowledge. Like Hosea 4, 6 says, God says, my people... Not the devil's crowd. He said, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. And he said, because you rejected knowledge, I've had to reject you. All right? That's not God's will. So we accept and we embrace the knowledge of the Word of God. That's why when you come to this church, you're not going to hear from Reader's Digest. Now, I grew up in a mainline church, in a denominational church, and the pastor would preach more out of Reader's Digest, and it was so boring. There was no power. I'm telling you, I sat there through this as an 11, 10-year-old and listened to this every week. And I'm like, is that, okay, Reader's Digest. I learned about it through the pastor. And he would refer to scriptures once in a while, but nobody had Bibles. Nobody turned to their Bibles, you know. I'm not criticizing it. It's just, that's just the way it was. Some of you might have grown up in a mainline traditional church like that. You know, there was no revelation of the Word of God. Praise God. You could write on the front of that church, Ichabod, the glory has departed. Actually, it was never there. <laughs> That's what that means in the Old Testament, Ichabod. You ever heard that phrase before? That means the glory has departed. So it must have been there previously, right? Well, the knowledge of the Word of God, like it says here in John, he says, you young men, and you could apply that to any person, women, men alike, praise the Lord. You are strong. Why? The Word of God abides in you, and as a result, you've overcome the wicked one. I'm looking at some overcomers right now. Amen? You know, it's God's will that you overcome. Pastor, please pray for me that I overcome. Nope, not going to do it. Amen? You will automatically overcome the devil when you've got the Word of God on the inside of you. You will overcome any adversity that comes against you. Because it says, like we saw in Proverbs, if, you're, if you faint, if you give up, you quit in the day of adversity. You know, a lot of people quit when it comes to pressure. Especially nowadays, people quit when it comes to pressure. Amen? But the Scripture says, He that endureth to the end, 
shall be saved. <laughs> Amen. There's a principle there. Amen. That's talking about the tribulation and so forth. But there's a principle that's involved there. You got to, we have to have some endurance. Amen. Say, no quitting here. No giving up. And sometimes you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I refuse to give up. I refuse to quit. I'm not laying down. Many times your body, will have, your body has a voice, doesn't it? Your body will say, I'm weak today. I'm tired today. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like serving God. I don't feel like praying, you know. Your body has a voice. But don't let your body be in control. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I'll just refer to it. He says, I keep my body under, I bring it under subjection, lest by any means when I've preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway or disapproved. When Paul said, I keep my body under, well, there has to be a dual thing right there, right? Who's the I? His spirit. I, the real me, keep my body. So that's separate, right? You got I, that's me, the spirit, and then you have your physical body. Amen? So he says, I, the real me, I keep my body under. I bring it unto subjection. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you know your body will want certain things? It'll want certain foods. It'll want this and that. But sometimes you just got to rise up and say, no. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. You ever drive past a Kentucky Fried Chicken or something and you smell that aroma? And your body's like, I want that right now. I was somewhere recently, I can't remember where it was, and there was this aroma that was coming out. It was a fast food place, and I was like, whoa, that smells good right now. You know what I'm saying? But I know what's in that stuff, so I resisted it. <laughs> I'm like, no, it smells good, but that's not good for my physical body. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? So your, your body has a voice. It has cravings for certain things. But you, your spirit man, that's the real you. We're talking about building yourself up spiritually because you are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. And we are, as Christians, we are to allow our spirit man to dominate our physical body. Not the other way around. Amen? There's an old saying, if it feels good, do it. Man, you get some serious danger by that. I mean, even a mousetrap, they put a good piece of cheese on a real mousetrap, right? But the mouse is deceived, doesn't realize there's a trap there, but he's going for the real cheese. But once he gets the cheese, that's it, okay? And so Satan puts these, these, uh, these things out there, these flesh drawers to draw people from the flesh, from the standpoint of flesh. And that's why sometimes, you know, you got churches that don't even preach the Bible anymore. I've been to churches before that don't even open their Bibles. They, don't, they might refer to something, but they don't even, nobody brings their Bibles. Nobody talks about the Word of God. It's just talking about stories and this and that kind of thing. There's no faith in that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God doesn't want us to come just hear a good story and put you to bed at night. You know what I'm saying? He wants you to hear some words and substance. That's why the Bible even says in Timothy, he says the time is going to come where they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't even be able to handle a couple of scriptures. When I go to a service, I say, give me some word. Give me some teaching. 
thank God for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but we need the Word with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We need both. We need the Word of God as a foundation, then we need the Holy Spirit, and they flow together in perfect harmony. Praise God. And that's what he's doing. So again, the Apostle John said, you young men, you're, you're strong. Why? The Word of God abides in you, and as a result, you've overcome the wicked one. How many of you know the sweet joy of overcoming something in your life? You ever, you ever had that happen to you before? Like something was presented itself to you and you overcame it, even if it seemingly was a small thing, and you overcame it? The Bible says the desire accomplishes sweet to the soul, and when you stand up and resist, praise God. Because, I mean, you stop and think about it. Weights, I've said this many, many years, weights don't make you strong. They don't. If that were the case, you could just walk into a gym and be all clothed in Adidas or Puma or, or whatever, Nike. You could look the best. But if you don't resist some weight, no strength is coming. It's when you resist the weight or resist the weight with your body that you gain strength. It's not the weight. You see, it's not the temptations. It's not the trials of life that make you strong. If that were the case, everybody would be a spiritual giant. Because the crisis of life comes to every human being. It's some way or some form. It'll come against you physically. It'll come against your family. It'll come against your finances. It'll come against different areas of your life. Those are pressures. They're not making you strong. It's when you resist that thing that you gain strength and get stronger in order to resist that. Amen. You might call it your spiritual immune system. If you're spiritual, if your natural immune system is strong, it can fight off stuff that tries to come against you. Right? Well, spiritually speaking, if your spiritual immune system is strong, when so something comes against you, you know from the pit of hell, you can stand up and say, oh, no, you don't. You're not coming to my house in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what's the first key? The Word of God has to have preeminence. What does that mean? First place. Amen? Now, it's, it's not in my notes here, but I was thinking of Proverbs chapter 4. Let, let's go over there for a minute. Go, Josh, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 4. And let's pick up in verse 20, I believe it is. I love this scripture. Oh my. Who wrote this? Solomon. Solomon. What was he considered? The wisest person on the planet at this time. Until Jesus came along, he said, a greater than Solomon is here, and that's me. <laughs> but who do you think gave that wisdom to Solomon? Jesus. So he wrote some powerful things right here. He says, my son, attend unto my words. See the word attend right there? That, that means to put first place. That's what that means, attend. Attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saying. So we got the ear involved here. Next verse. Let them not depart from thine what? Eyes. Okay, so now you got your eyes, you got your ears. Both. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Your spirit. Next verse. For they are life 
That's his words. They are life unto those that find them. And health to how much of their flesh? All. All their flesh. Now the word health right there in the Hebrew, Old Testament is written in Hebrew, is the word medicine. You can look it up. It means medicine. They were, the word of God is life to those that find them and medicine to how much of their flesh? All their flesh. Now the word of God is like medicine. People say, did you take your medicine today, sweetheart? Amen. Boy, nowadays you've got medicine, medications for every known thing, right? But I'll tell you, there's one medication that has no side effects, only good things, and it's free. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Okay? Now this gives us a little clue right here. I want to talk about this for a minute here. There, uh, this, this room, for example, you had to come through one of these doors to get in here. Nobody came through the roof. Nobody came through the window. There was a door, a portal, you had to come through. Are you with me? Okay? And the only way, the only entryway that you had is to come through one of those doors to get in here. There's one, two, three, three different doors that we have. And you had to come, how many came through one of those doors? Okay? Now, your spirit man is like the room. But there's portals, there's doorways to get into your spirit man. And I submit this to you, it's through your eye gate and through your ear gate. Through your eyes and through your ears. Those are the portals or doorways or passageways that God gets into your spirit. But here's the thing. The devil knows that too. So what does he try to do? He bombards people's ears, people's eyes with ungodly stuff. Bad news. Anything. Right? Because the devil knows. Because God, you know, Satan, you have to understand. He's stupid. He's not a creator. He's a counterfeiter. He never created anything. He's a counterfeiter. God created music. But who perverted it? Satan did. And so everything that God creates is pure and holy in its pure form. But then the devil comes along and perverts it. And so Satan knows that, that you know, there's, to get into a person's spirit, he has to work through their eyes, he has to work through their ears. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that sets me free. Because I can choose, just like on your television. You know, you have a clicker. Now, you remember the days where those clickers didn't exist? You had to walk physically walk over to the TV and turn it. Those were hard days, weren't they? <laughs> but then remote control came out. Dear God. Man, this is like the Jetsons, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but everything has remote control now, right? Okay? But you notice on that remote control, there's an on and off switch. Yes. You, you know, nowadays, you, you, we have very limited cable. We're down to the bare bones, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not putting any news media in these eyes or these ears. I'm just not doing it. I, I know what's going on, okay? But I don't need lies being spread into my eyes and into my ears. I shut that down because I don't want any bad news. Yeah. Amen. Most of it's lies anyway. Yeah. Okay. You'll be surprised one day when you realize all the lies that have been propagated and people just believe it. Yeah. Because it comes through the airways. 
And just because something's on television doesn't mean it's the truth. Just because something's on the radio doesn't mean it's the truth. But I'll tell you one thing, God's Word is truth. God's Word is truth. And so you've got these, these doorways, these portals into the human soul, into his spirit, and that's through the eye gate and through the ear gate. And that's why it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of the forces of life. So you have to protect what goes in your eyes and what goes in your ears. And I don't, I don't want to just talk about the negative side of that. I want to put the positive end out there because you can put God's Word in your eyes, God's Word in your ears. It gets down inside your spirit, and before you know it, you're getting stronger. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm so thankful for modern technology because, you know, nowadays you can put a teaching on anywhere. There's, they're available anywhere, free of charge. We make ours free of charge. You can get on there and listen to them. Praise the Lord. But you, as much as you want, you can get a download of the anointed Word. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And, you know, uh, let's just go over there for a second. Go to Romans chapter 10. And... Uh, Look at verse 5, I think it's verse 15. This isn't in my notes here, but let's just go there. Start verse 14, Joshua, right there. And we'll read this in context right here, okay? It says, How then shall they call, that's, that's Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? A preacher, someone who proclaims the word. The next verse. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. Next verse. But they have not, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Elijah saith, Who hath believed thy report? Next verse. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? Now, in context, I wanted to read those verses right there. This faith that he's talking about right here is talking about the preached word under the anointing. Because he's talking about how shall they be sent unless they're called and so forth and so on, right? He's talking about a preacher that goes out and preaches under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, when they're proclaiming words, faith comes by hearing the preached word and hearing by the word of God. I tell you, I get built up myself because I'm preaching at a group of people, but I'm hearing it myself. I'm part of the group. <laughs> Amen. I get blessed by it myself. Amen. I get so blessed sometimes I'll take an offering up for myself. I'm just teasing. Amen. But I, I, some of the best sermons I've heard preached are when I was by myself in my car driving, praying, and things started coming out of my spirit that I've started to preach under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the only person that was there was me and God. But there's an, there's an unction, there's an anointing under the Word of God when we preach under the anointing. That's what we believe in here at this church. When I started this church a few short years ago, the Lord spoke to my spirit, not in an audible voice, but inside my spirit. He said, son, remember this one thing more than anything. There's no substitute for my presence. 
No substitute. Does, does that mean that everybody values the presence of God? No. Obviously not. You know, people have different value systems. But we value around here, we value the Word of God, number one, and we value the presence of God. We value the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit. We value those things. It's amazing sometimes what some people value, other people don't, don't esteem whatsoever. They look at it like trash. Kick out the gifts of the Spirit. Kick out the Holy Ghost, you know. Let's just do our thing. You know what I'm saying? Are you kidding me? I'm not naming any names at all, but I'm just saying, you, you have to be select. And when you value something, you put a price tag on it. We value the Word of God, number one, and we value the move of God, number two. Actually, a lot of times people that don't value the move of God, they have no foundation of the Word of God in the first place. Because if you know what the Word of God says, you're going to value what the Word of God has to say. Amen? The Bible says, despise not prophesying. Amen? But you know there's people that despise it today. It says despise not prophesying, right? It says that. But there are people that despise it. They say, we don't want that. We don't want that in our church. We don't want that. We don't want the, the prophecy. Amen? Because they've seen the abuse of it. Okay? But you know what? How many of you ever had, had a, ever, ever had a $100 bill before? Anybody ever own a $100 bill before? Just one person then. Okay. Okay. Some Ben Franklins, right? But you know, there's, you know the, most, the most counterfeited piece of money is none other than the Ben Franklin, the $100 bill. That's the most, you know, in fact, I go into some stores and they're always checking if you give them a $100 bill, you know. Nowadays you get groceries, oh, 89 bucks, 100 bucks. It's like you only bought a few things. You know what I'm saying? But they have a scanner. They scan. They don't scan $20 bills or $5 bills. They scan all the hundreds. Okay? Because there's more counterfeits for the hundred than anything else. But you know what? I got to thinking about it. If I have a $100 bill or a couple of them, it's good to have those things. Amen? Um, just because there's counterfeit out there doesn't mean that's going to keep me from using my money that's real. And so it is with the manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There might be counterfeits out there and things like that, but that doesn't do away with the real thing. Amen? See, the word to prophesy means to speak under inspiration. It means you feel compelled, you feel inspired to say something. Now, where a lot of people miss is they think it has to be prefaced with, Thus saith the Lord. Here comes a prophecy. You know what I'm saying? No, it does happen that way. But more often than not, I think people are, are inspired to say something. That is the spirit of prophecy. Whether it's a one-on-one -on -one situation, you're inspired or compelled to say something that will uh, minister to someone. See, the simple gift of prophecy, the Bible says, is to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the simple gift of prophecy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do we need that? Yes. Of course we do. And there, there can be an element of prophecy. Every time I'm ministering, there's an element of that coming forth. Because if you look at my notes and what I'm saying, a lot of times they're two different things. I'm okay with that. 
Because what happens is, is you, I've, I've learned this through the years. I've been preaching for many, many years now. Many, many years. And, and it wasn't always this way at first because I've, I had to step out and I had to learn to lean and trust on God like never before and trust Him because He has your interest at heart. And when I'm standing up here, I have that, I'm not up here to jump through the hoop. I'm not here to put a show on. I'm up here to obey God, to listen to Him because He has your interest at heart and He wants to bless you right where you're at. Regardless of how many people are here. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, you can, you can get to the point where you can yield to the spirit of prophecy and not even, it's just, it's like, how many of you think about breathing? Do I have to tell you, you know, make sure you breathe today, sweetheart. I got to thinking about that the other day. I'm like, you know, you breathe, but you really don't think about it. And I started thinking about it. I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, you don't, it's an automatic. Even when you're sleeping. You know, you don't go to sleep. You're like, I sure hope I breathe tonight when I go to sleep. It's involuntary. It just works. I'm telling you, faith in God can work exactly the same way. It's an unconscious thing that you do because you get used to exercising your spiritual muscles. We're talking about staying in shape spiritually when you're just trusting God for every step, every breath, everything you do, you're trusting Him. I'm trusting you, Lord, in everything I do. Amen? And I'll tell you, this, this is one area that I've learned... Uh, whether people receive that or not, that's not up to me. But I, I've learned to step over into the realm of the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost. And I, I promise God, when I stand, I don't care if it's one person or 50 people or 5,000 people. I've, I've spoken in front of hundreds of people before, you know. And it would be no different if I was one-on-one -on -one with a person. Because that person is important. You are important. The people on the conference call today, they're important. Every one of them. And I want to make sure that I'm yielded enough to the Holy Spirit that I'm going to say things to you that are going to build you up, change you, give you supernatural hope right now in a hopeless situation. The Bible even says, who against, talking about Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, being yet a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God spoke to him, he's able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him. Glory to God. Amen. Now, notice the phrase, who against, he was past the childbearing age, him and his wife, you know, a hundred years old. Come on. There's no kids being born for people that are in their 90s. Are you kidding me? It says, who against hope or natural hope believed in godly hope. God will always produce a supernatural hope in the midst of impossible situations. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how dreary it looks or impossible that it looks, or no matter how long, there's another one, how long that thing's been going on in your life. The calendar, the clock. You say, well, if it's going to change, it should have changed a long time ago. Listen, God's in it for the long haul. But we have to get to the point where we get our hopes up in God. Amen? 
You see, even our nation, my hope is not in any political system. My hope is in God. Amen? I, my, my hope is not in what they do in D.C. My hope is in God. Amen? Amen? And that's why we can be joyful. That's why we can be happy. Because even we look and see and hear and all the junk that's going on, we, we, we shouldn't be moved by that. There are people today, Christians today, that are massively depressed and been that way for a long time because all they're listening to is what's going on in D.C., what's going on with the politicians. We're never to have faith in that system. We're to have faith in God and what He is going to do with our country. He's not finished with our country yet. He ain't, he ain't done. I know it's bad English. He is not done with this country yet. The greatest revival this world has ever seen we are on the precipice of that. I can tell you that right now. And that's why all hell was broken loose to try to stop that. Just like when uh, Moses was a deliverer was being born and prophesied that he was going to come and set the uh, Israelites free after 400 years of captivity. And Pharaoh got wind of that and started killing all the, all the babies. Remember that? Why? He's afraid. Now, if the devil was so smart, couldn't he pick out which one it was? Fast forward a few thousand years, and you've got Jesus on the scene. Amen? And Herod got wind that there's a deliverer coming, right? So what you do, has the same thing happen. As all the male babies two years and under, you know, he thinks, oh, if I get all that, we'll get them. See, every time God shows up to do something, the devil tries to counterfeit. He tries to stop it, but he can't stop it. Amen? I look what Brother Glenn prayed in the beginning. That was right on. Amen? God's never lost yet. Who do you think inspired him to pray that? The Holy Spirit did. Okay? God has never lost a battle yet. So we might as well enjoy the ride while we're here. Can you, be, can you imagine those people, those Egypt, the, uh, the Israelites on the Egypt, the, the uh, the edge of the Red Sea and, you know, the, the seas there, the mountains are there. They're impassable, the Bible says. Then you've got Pharaoh's army coming at them. There's no natural way for them to escape from that in the natural. No natural way. They're on that, you know, that little thing that came out in the beach of Nueva. That's the crossing site. We've showed that to you before. Where they crossed over, it's still there. Amen. And it's funny, it's really interesting because that mouth of that canyon that God led them through, the Israelites, it's not all that wide. And he let two million Jews down through there, through that canyon right there, that Wadi Watir, and led them out on the beach of Nueva, where it's big enough today to hold five million people easily. And it, it looked like this is it. There's no way out. But God always has a, always has a plan. You can't put God in a box. You can't put him in a corner. Amen? God wants us to be encouraged today because there's no corner that the devil can back you into that God has not already made a way of escape. Oh my, what time is it here? Man, where's our time go? Dear Lord. Amen? I think I'm going to pull a Joshua today. I'm going to command the sun to stand still. I'm going to command the clock to stop so I can give you some more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, you know, Joshua, he had to know God pretty good to command the sun to stand still until we finish this battle. 
Where did he get that from? From Moses. Did Moses have the spirit of faith? And who followed Moses? Joshua. Oshawa, root name for Jesus. Joshua, son of none. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that right, Josh? God gave us, I've told you that before, God gave us his name. He gave us, he literally gave it. We separated in prayer, two different rooms, prayed, but when he said, Lord, we, wanna, we want your name, we both got Joshua. Amen. Well, that's the root name for Jesus. Amen. Praise God. That's beside the point right now, but the first way to stay spiritually fit is to have the Word of God first place in our lives. Preeminence, okay? Now, I'm not going to turn to this today because of time, because we're almost out of time. I had more scriptures here. But I will refer, just refer to this, and maybe the Lord leads us, we'll get into this scripture next, this portion of scripture next week. But everybody here, you're, you're familiar, very familiar with the temptation of Jesus Christ when he was in the wilderness. After he was baptized, uh, by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And there was a dual baptism that took place because Jesus was baptized in water, but he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit because the dove from heaven, like a, like a dove, not is a dove, but like a dove, came down. John the, uh, the Lord told even John the Baptist, he goes, here's how you're going to know. He says, whoever the light of God shines upon, that's whom I've anointed. So really, John the Baptist, he was the cousin of Jesus. He didn't even know. He didn't know. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, whom you see the light shine upon, he says, that's the one I've anointed. And, and John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, and he saw the light like a dove coming down on him. He said, that's the one right there. And so he was baptized in Jordan River. I, I could take you to the very spot where it happened. It's still exactly the way it was back then. Okay? And there was other people there, of course. And you have in one setting, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit show up. You have Jesus being baptized. You have the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like as of a dove. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Amen. And immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness there to be tempted of the devil. Now, you can't say that about yourself. But Jesus had to be tempted he had to pass the test. He had to. So he could identify with you and I. Amen. And, and you know, the whole story that he went, there's three separate temptations. He went into the wilderness. You know, we'll get into this next week, I believe. But the, the bottom line is this. What did Jesus use in awful combat against the enemy when Satan came at him? When he was tempted... He used the Word of God. He, he said three times, and they're all from Deuteronomy, because the two, New Testament wasn't written yet. Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 3, and Deuteronomy 6, 13, and Deuteronomy 6, 16. And there are three separate temptations. And when the devil came to Jesus and tempted him, Jesus opened up his mouth and he said, Satan, it is written, and he quoted the Scripture. And you see Satan leaving that temptation, now going to the next temptation. Three, right here. Now we know that in the book of Hebrews, 
I believe it is, it says that, that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we, yet didn't sin. So, you know, he knows what it's like to be tempted. He sure does. He knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus. And he overcame those temptations. He didn't give in to them. Amen. He didn't sin. He didn't, he didn't cave in. He said, okay, you win, see so one Satan. He didn't, he didn't do that. All right. So I wanted to leave you with this here this morning. Jesus used weapons that you and I are to use today against the tempter. He's called, Luke even calls when the tempter came to Jesus. He called him the tempter. All right. When the tempter came, I believe in the mind realm, in the thought realm. Jesus opened his mouth and he declared, thus saith the word of God. It is written. And he quoted a scripture. Well, it, it must have been effective because the devil left for another temptation. He tried three different times. And the Bible says that after those three temptations that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Mm, I wonder why. He resisted. He pushed back. Do you ever hear that word pushback? There's a lot. There needs to be some of that today with things that are going on. Some pushback. Amen. Instead of the government trying to force things on people, there has to be some pushback, especially if it's not in line with the Word of God. Amen. You know, if the government came along and said, you know, you can't preach the gospel anymore, guess what? We're going to push back. Well, it came down from the head honcho. So what? Amen. Because it, it, we have a higher law to go by. That's the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why well, did you learn some things today? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.